Have you ever wanted to know more about the judge set to preside over your case? Welcome to Beyond the Bench, where San Diego mediators Joanne Rezzo and Jim Picorni get up close and personal with judges from state court as well as federal court. Here are Joanne and Jim. Well, good morning, Jim. We're lucky this morning to have Judge Cynthia Freeland from San Diego Superior Court's North County Bench with us. Good morning, Judge Freeland. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. I can't believe we're here. It's actually actually happening. It is actually happening. So, Judge Freeland, thank you for joining us this morning. I'm thrilled to be here. I know you have a busy schedule. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you landed on the bench. Well, it had been a thought that had been brewing for a long time, and then I was fortunate enough to have friends who encouraged me, threatened me, to finally get my application in, and it really kind of blossomed from there. Um, Submitted my application in February and got the call December 22nd. Wow. For, for our listeners that don't know when you say application, so this is so you can be appointed by the governor as opposed to elected by the people. Correct. Okay. Yes. And how long did that take? My process took, what, 10 months? Yeah. Wow. That's not too bad. No. Well, it was easy for Judge Freeland because we were like, she was a, a no-brainer. She gets on. I think there was some sort of affirmative action program for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> affirmative. We, we want her. Well, what kind of law did you practice before you were on the bench? Primarily employment defense, but some business litigation as well. So Sounds a little bit like my practice. And it you... was a lot like your practice, yes, as I know. <laughs> you two know each other. Let's, let's confess now. We, yes, we do. We do. Yes. You go back a ways? Years now. I know. I was trying to remember how many years it's been. I would say 10 or 15 years, but... Uh, At least. Back in the shore and Freeland days. Now, yes. were, were you co-counsel, opposing counsel? What? We were co-counsel. co-counsel. We were co-counsel on a case, so... But, uh, you know, I know that you happen to love travel, too. So I want to hear a little bit about that, because that is my passion also. It's funny, because Jim oftentimes is like, okay, where are you now? He'll text well, me and be like, where are you now? So yeah, what where co- have what you country been are you in? Where are you? She drove all the way across the country once. She was up with her son on the East Coast forever. She's rarely home. Give me a good driving trip. I love those. Life is good. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Life is good. What kind of travel do you like to do? Anything that my husband plans. I love it. I wish I had a planner husband. My husband will say, do you want to look at the itinerary? I said, no, you have said it. I know it will be great. And we go from there. That's, That's trust. Great. Yeah. Well, we've been married a long time. How long have you been married? 27 years. Good for you. Yes. I love hearing those stories. Wow. Jim Jim has us both beat, I think. Uh, two days ago, we celebrated our 35th oh, wedding congratulations. anniversary. Oh, congratulations. You need a trip. Thank yeah, you. you do. Can I call your husband? You can. I think he's planning to bring her down to Mexico. I, it's I a free vacation. Out. Yeah. He can set it up. Yeah. So what, what, what are the best trips he's planned so far? We did... A Mediterranean cruise for my daughter's college, high school graduation. Fun. Uh, but we did three days in Rome before, mm. and the trips and the excursions were amazing. We did a cooking class on a roof in Rome. <gasps> that we did amazing. a walking tour in Rome where the guide was so fantastic. He was half German, half Italian. He had wanted to do something related to history forever, but his German father 
would not let him do anything but be an engineer. So he became an engineer, and then 15, later, 15 years later, he was miserable, and he quit and became this walking tour guide in Rome. You had to study for two years. You had to pass tests. He forgot more history than I've ever known. So it was amazing. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, it was amazing. Did your husband arrange this through Costco? Because that's what my wife does. Her name is Costco. He did not. Some of it was, but the tours and the excursions he finds on his own. Wow. Yeah. Resourceful guy. You know, there's yeah. this really cool thing through, I think, through Viator, and it's free tours by foot. Oh, and you just tip. So, you know, you give them a really nice, generous tip, but oh, they've yeah. been phenomenal. And it's great for me with an 18-year-old son. They do funky tours like the graffiti tour of Rome. Oh, see, that's great. Or the ghost tour of Greenwich Village, <laughs> which, which I would love. been great <clears throat> tours. I yeah. mean, there's like a little history, a little funky, and it's it's perfect for... We had to go to every pizza place for my son throughout the Mediterranean. And when we stopped in, I think it was... When we went to Turno, we had cannolis that were the size of your arm. They were wow. so delicious. And this was just people Brad found online. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And the reason we like to travel is because we like to explore. And we like to eat. And the food. <laughs> the gelato in the Italy. Gelato. Man. We, were, if, we started off with one gelato a day, and they were like, well, we got to make it two. If you cut any of us open after that trip, gelato would have flowed out <laughs> of us. All of us. I love it. Getting it back mainline, let's talk about the There's courts. a lot of places in San Diego because there's a really good one in La Jolla. <laughs> Some of the listeners to this are going to want to know, how can I be a better lawyer, a better advocate for my client in court? We'd like to know, what do you like, what do you not like as far as what lawyers do when they are before you in court? Ooh, good question. Tough question, but there's got to be some some things that drive you a little bit nuts, some stuff that you like and you applaud and you appreciate. Tell us about that. I think now in this age, if you have a substantive motion, I like if you come to court as opposed to appearing on Microsoft Teams. I'm hearing a recurring theme amongst the judges in that respect. But tell us why. I think that there has been a slide of professionalism. I think that there has been a slide of cordiality, if that's a word. I think um, it is. Yeah. Uh, on Microsoft Teams, you talk and tend to talk over one another, either because you just don't know when they're done or you think you can. Um, and I think people are losing the ability to resolve their differences because there's something magical about the door to the courtroom. A lot of things happen right outside of that door. Mm -hmm. And we're not getting that when they're appearing on Microsoft Teams or you have somebody in the courtroom and somebody on Microsoft Teams. And I think that it's sort of like when you send an email, you somehow can say things that you wouldn't necessarily say to somebody's face. And I think people feel that you can do things on Microsoft Teams that you would never think to do in court. So I'm straight because the, the term Microsoft Teams is meaningless to me. That's just like a video. It's like Zoom. It's like Zoom. It's like Zoom. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So is the problem one of it's an uneven playing field when you have someone there in front of you and someone that's not there or it's just awkward or what? It's awkward. It's not an uneven playing field because people certainly have the right to appear by Microsoft Teams. Sure. 
but there's talking over one another. There are instances where you think that somebody may forget that you can actually see them on Microsoft Teams. Um, and there could be times where I also forget that they can see me. Um, but the facial expressions, the, the things that are happening in a, an office, if they're in court, you don't see that. So who's at, which advocate is at the disadvantage uh, doing this, the one that's on the screen or the one that's in front of you, if you can characterize it that way? It's not that I view it that way. To be clear, everybody yep. has a fair shot. Sure. But there is a disadvantage when you're on Microsoft Teams. If there are technical difficulties, if you want a clear <laughs> record, if you want to ensure that whatever documents you have, even if there's something that you want to show the court is difficult. Can you say, can, will I show the court now? Well, right. no, you can't. Okay. Well, in the body language, the, the, yes. the facial expressions, the body language, reading the room a little bit better. I mean, that's so important yes. that you just can't do it on team, in my opinion. And I, th th there was a case not that long mm -hmm. ago where both were on Microsoft Teams, both were talking over one another, both were escalating, and I just ordered them at the next hearing because of that, that they had to be personally present in the courtroom. I think that makes sense. And so it's best that, I mean, what we're going to take from this is you might want to just show up. It, it's better. It's cleaner, less stepping on each other's words. For substantive issues, for sure. Okay, procedural yeah. stuff, no big deal. Case management conferences where you're just going to get a date or if you have an ex parte where you're asking to continue trial dates. If it's not anything very substantive, it, it's not as critical. You're not going to have a court reporter. You're not going to have things that are needing a clear record. The minutes will be sufficient. That's fine. Well, and I think just being physically in front of the judge too, it helps with cordiality and civility. I remember as a young lawyer, I started a practice of when I got into a discovery battle with opposing counsel, I'd invite them to lunch. And I'd say, I'd like to treat you to lunch, bring your notes, and we'll talk over the discovery stuff. So we'd have lunch, we'd just talk about ourselves, our hobbies, what we do. And then after lunch, we'd push the plates away and, and start talking about the, substantive of the substance of the dispute. Every single time we've resolved it. Let Every guess, single time. Not with LA lawyers. Sometimes with that's, LA lawyers. That's, that's a slight with some out-of-town lawyers. It, it but. depended on what the lunch was. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's was different. Than, <laughs> you're probably <laughs> yeah. not going to get settled. No. When I took them to Dobson's, we always got it resolved. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what kind of cases do you have nowadays? First of all, you're in North County, correct? I'm in North County. I'm okay. in civil. Um, anything from car accidents to homeowners association to employment disputes to wrongful death. Now, how about the kinds of stuff... And I want you to harken back to when you were a baby judge, brand new. I still you, feel that way. You went to judge's school up in Berkeley? It right? was in San Ramon. San yes. Ramon. Okay, fair enough. And then your turn loose, or sent you back here, and you got your own department. And, and picture yourself getting a case about which you know nothing in terms of the substantive law. How do you gear up for that? Well, we have a lot of resources. Uh, we have a lot of judges who are not baby lawyer or baby judges who we can rely on but there's also just a ton of research resources that we have access to uh, the trainings are fa fantastic and then you also dedicate yourself to research that you need to do to make yourself comfortable and hopefully the lawyers pleadings 
and motions and paperwork are are good, but you have sort of everything from physical contact with senior judges who are willing to get off the bench at any time with any question that you have to we have CJUR, which is judicial education resources. You can find something on anything, and you have expertise among staff attorneys. Bottom line is you learn it. And you, you learn have, it. You have the ability to learn it. You learn it. And the clerks are key, too. The clerks are the key. clerks they, have seen so much, and they know so much. I had asked one. Judge Mangione seemed to pave my path. He was in Department 14, and then I went in 14, and he was in Department 18, and I went in 18, and then we both went into civil. And so each of the mm -hmm. clerks that were with Judge Mangione um, were there available to me. And one of the questions I would ask them is, are you going to tell me when I am getting it completely wrong? I love it. And one of the clerks said, mm, and Judge Mangione said, no, she's not going to do that. And I said, well, then that's not going to be helpful. <laughs> you need a little code, like a I, wink, wink, or, I you know, a, tap, tap, tap or something. Well, in 14, I could tell with the criminal arraignments and the misdemeanor and the felony, which I had no exposure to, mm -hmm. uh, I could feel the wind from the clerks shaking of their head whenever I was doing something <laughs> that was not going to be good. And I would say, ah, oh, well, the, the winds have blown. I think I'll change course. Maybe we'll reconsider. We'll reconsider. I just wanted to throw that out. I realized that's so, not so, a good idea. So you were on a criminal rotation for a while? I was in arraignments. Okay. Felony arraignments? Misdemeanor and felony. Okay. Now, for a judge that had no experience in criminal stuff before, um, did you enjoy it? You know, I something loved different. it. I T loved it. Tell us what you loved. I wish the, the, the listeners could see the smile on her face it, when she said, I loved it. Because you could tell. So her face fun. lit up. Uh, which is probably not the right word. No, it's, it was, it's okay. It what, was fun. But what did you like? One, I was learning a, an area of law that had always been fascinating to me that I knew nothing about. It was a great place to uh, learn how to be a judge because you're moving cases quickly. It's not a, a, an area where you are necessarily doing deep dive into the law because really what you're doing is you're processing the cases to go to the more senior, the prelims and the trials. Right. Uh, the DAs and the PDs were amazing. There was a group of four public defenders who were assigned to Department 14 when I was there, and they were straight out of central casting, all four of them. They were phenomenal, and all of them, the deputy DAs and the PDs, want to help you. So you learn from them, you learn the process, you get exposed to walks of life that you've never seen before, um, what I mean by that is in comes the Rancho Santa Fe socialite who's on her third DUI. In mm. comes the 18-year-old who has, you know, had possession charges. In comes the uh, case with the taking of the two lizards from Ocotillo Wells State Park. Wow. <laughs> It's like, lizards? <clears throat> really? Wow. Okay. It's a variety. Yeah. So it was, you just get all kinds of cases from all kinds of areas of the law that are just fascinating. Now, did you have an option of requesting to stay in criminal? At the 
end of each year, or I should say the beginning of the fourth quarter of each year, we get an email where we can indicate what our preference is, both area and geographic location in the county. Then that promptly gets ignored. And then, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but what the rotation typically is, is you do about 10 months, if you can, to a year in arraignments. And then the newbies go to family. So, did you? Yes. Wow. So you got a, a, an earful of family law too. For three years. That's the that's the only real area where there is sort of a guideline as to how long you will stay there. So could I have requested criminal? Yes, I could. <clears throat> I could indicate that was my preference. But family was going to be next, and then there's going to be people who come out of family who had the criminal background, and there was mm-hmm. myself who had the civil background, and. Judge Stern was retiring as I was coming out of family, so into civil I went. What did you think of family? I liked it. So wow. far, that too. I mean, you've liked everything. You well, like criminal, you like attitude, family. right? I think so too. Yes. I see you know, a happy judge the, here. Yeah. yeah, you see the good in things. No, well, it, there's not a lot of good in family. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. But it was interesting, and you're actually. Helping, I think, they don't always think so, um, primarily kids, because Patty Radican would talk about, who's the family guru of all family gurus, would talk about how, you know, we see the 20% of the cases that, you know, and the passion that drew people together is the passion that pushes them apart. Yeah. And so you get very upset people, but you are making decisions in cases where they can't make decisions for themselves. And whether they're happy or they're not happy about it, you've at least made the decision. And you think if they could make the decision, they would have. So yeah. they couldn't. And it was, it was you're helping people and their people's <laughs> lives being touched every day. Civil mm. does that too, but in a different way. It's not children at issue right. for the most part. One of my judge buddies that I run with a lot told me years ago when he was a baby judge that half the people that appear in front of him are pretty ticked off when they leave. Because you got to make a call. This is one a, way or the yeah, other. A job where fifty percent of the people, at, at least, think <laughs> you're an idiot, <laughs> or at least they're not happy with your ruling. So, right. was, was that tough for you? Yes. I mean, you're a nice person. Well, we can tell you. by looking at I'll you. I'll pay you, you later. Like to please. And <laughs> thank you. You've been very gracious, but so, but, but you had to make some calls that were probably not easy. That you knew was going to even more upset this poor woman yes. regarding child custody support, whatever. Yes. Was that tough for you to do? Very much. So I, I like to be liked. How'd you do it? I do too. I just compartmentalized and have to rationalize. It legitimately so, that you are making a decision because they can't. And we are being paid to make the decision. And whether we're right or we're wrong, we made the decision. And there's another avenue for them to pursue if they don't like it. And I invite that. Go to the appellate court if if I have displeased you. Um, But you just have to compartmentalize and tell yourself, somebody is is not going to be happy. Somebody's going to think you're an idiot. Somebody's going to think you're pro-women, pro-men, pro-children, well, I am pro-children, but pro-whatever, depending on how you've ruled, in any given day, that wind is going to change and the other side's going to think you're the pro-whatever the other thing was. Exactly. 
Well, switching gears a little bit, I have to have you educate me about something because I confess I've heard of Mahjong several times. You have? I don't know what it is. I know know it's a game of some sort, but I know you're into it. So tell us about Mahjong. I'm hosting tonight, actually. Can Um, we we come back later on? You're welcome to come back. It's a, um, there's two different versions and I'm fairly new to this. There's the simpler card version, which my mom plays recently. And then there's the, it's a tile game. It's, you do runs or pairs uh, and there's different symbols and you have a card and you're trying to make something that's on the card corresponding to a, a monetary amount. And if you can match all of that on the line that you're looking for, I'm okay. doing a terrible job, no, no, you're, I'm... Um, then you're, you'll, you'll win and you collect from everybody that. 30 cents or the 25 cents that's next year. So it's a rummy cube. Uh, I love rummy cube. Gin, you know rummy. Cube, rummy. This is way beyond my oh, pay rummy grade. Cube is yeah. such a fun I'll game. take a break. You two talk. We're into, my family, <laughs> we're super into table games. Love table games. And this is super complicated because we had a gal teach us four Mondays in a row. And you should go regularly so that you're picking this up. You get a card every year and, uh, you can't play with people who are uh, really good card sharks because I, I got yelled at my a friend of mine. She's like, you knew what she was collecting. I said, no, I was focused on my hand. I can't focus on my hand and all of yours at the same time. Well, that is a little bit like Rummy Cube because you have to kind of pay attention to what you other do. people are doing. And what you're throwing and what you're picking up. Yes, exactly. Do you go to Las Vegas? I do. And you play blackjack? I do. You count cards? I cannot. Neither can I. I try to just <laughs> particularly with the six deck shoe. You can't no, do forget that. it. No, it ain't gonna happen. No, but it's a fun game. It's a fun game. We play Pico too. Do you play Pico? No, I'm just I'm a single minded blackjack. Do you buy insurance? No, you can get insurance do for you? playing blackjack. Absolutely. Only, only when the dealer has an ace. Yeah, oh. there's an up card. So basically, you're betting against yourself. You're the worst. You're going to happen. You're going to break even. Yeah. Oh, and that's not gambling. Who knows? No, and that's right. not gambling. So do you double down, split pairs. Sure. You, okay. And I get angry I, when people do it wrong. I like this woman. Yeah. We were on a cruise, and there was this kid sitting at um, third base. He split tens. I was up. What? I was having a conniption. I was like, you know what? You'd never split tens. I get that you might have had many a cocktail. Get up. <laughs> Time to go. I'm going to see myself in arraignments. My husband and I have a good rule when we go to Vegas. We plan ahead exactly how much money we're willing to spend on gambling as a form of entertainment, and we stick with it. Well, that was my my rule used to be I plan my money. Mm-hmm. I don't go to the ATM. When it's gone, it's gone, right. which is great. And mm-hmm. I kind of still have that rule, but my husband doesn't. And I can <laughs> bypass my rule by saying, I need more money. <laughs> and there he is. Then it's not a rule. The and bank, there he is. The yeah. bank, a.k.a. hubby. <laughs> exactly. So I look at it as the cost of entertainment. I mean, I Me you rarely make a ton of money. You exactly. lose a little bit. But I mean, for six hours or five hours or whatever, I lost 50 bucks. It was kind of fun. Wow. If that ever... I can't play for six hours. Well, he's playing at the 50 bucks. cent table. I was like, yeah, wow. I'm playing at the, the, the dime table. <laughs> they don't have like, those okay. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Inflation, man. They do have the penny slots, but... There you go. To make money, you got to throw in many dollars. Well, tell us a little bit about your other hobby, pickleball. That's a huge, it's a huge rage in the United States right now. Everybody loves it. Well, everybody except the tennis players. players. Tennis players hate it. Pop, the pickleball. Pop, pop, oh, that's pop, the sound. That is exactly pop. right. I love pickleball. We, I play about once a week. I played last night um, and sometimes play twice a week. 
if I can. Uh, it's just, it's a social game. You mm-hmm. can feel good about spending an hour and a half to two hours out there. Uh, sometimes in North County, there's a group of us that play at lunch now. So uh, it's mm-hmm. just a fun, and we have a judicial retreat where then I'm in charge of the tournament, the pickleball tournament. So fun. So there's a pickleball court near the courthouse. There's a, yeah, there's a park that has four courts. Like a public park? A public park. So you literally have time to knock off during lunch, play pickleball, and then head back, put your robes on, and do your afternoon calendar. Yeah, you might want to stand upwind, but yes. (laughs) You didn't weave a shower in there. So so the question is, I wonder if any litigants, since it's a public court, might see these judges playing pickleball. I mean, They could. I think there occasionally have been some public defenders who are playing at lunch, too. So... Yeah, no, you we, we never know when you're going to see somebody that might be in your courtroom. Don't. Yeah. Th- yeah. This is true. See, this is the fun thing about us conversing with judges, too. We learn stuff that we had no clue. Well, I, I did. I used to have a very bad Diet Coke habit, and I would go to McDonald's every day for my morning Diet Coke. And I was going through every day, and I'd see the same woman every day. And then she finally said to me, going through the drive-thru, are you a judge? And I went, um, why do you ask? Trash collector? She said, oh, this is when I was in arraignments. Ooh. She said, I think I was in your court. And I'm like, oh, oh. have you been spitting in my coat for... Oh, she was a worker there? I didn't there? say that. Yeah, she was the woman that was at the window. So I said, oh, <laughs> huh. And she seemed happy. And she said, oh. I said, oh, well, I hope you are doing great. Hope you yeah. enjoyed the experience. Hope you enjoyed, and she said, "Oh, you were great. You, uh-huh. you were. I forget. You converted my public work service to volunteer hours." I'm like, "Well, I'm so glad about that." And she goes, "And you were my boyfriend's judge too." I said, "The oh, whole family. Isn't that's a family affair?" And I'm like, and was was he happy as well? Oh yes. Okay. Well, good. Thanks. Okay. Everybody wins. Everybody wins, and I knew my diet coke was okay. That's good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because Jim and I both work at West Coast Resolution Group, which is a division of National Conflict Resolution Center, and they're big on restorative justice. And what you're talking about in terms of converting prison time or, you know, a sentence into community service is huge. And the restorative justice program is amazing. Do you know anything about that? How they, what they do with high schoolers and stuff? I don't. It's really amazing because they they found they called it the um, the school to prison pipeline, where kids what would happen is they had like 320 different infractions that would result in a suspension. And when this kid's on suspension, then they're home and they're getting into trouble, and then they get expelled because they got arrested. And this happened, and that it is. And then it just sort you know it just takes off. So National Conflict Resolution Center, working with the San Diego District Attorney's Office and the school system, converted that list of 320 suspendable offenses down to 20, Mm -hmm. and then brought in restorative justice to help the wrongdoer understand the perspective of the victim. You know, like say a kid, you know, throws over a chair or throws a chair at a teacher in a classroom. They have to all get in a room and talk about the impact on the teacher and how that affected them. And then they find a way for the kid to... (laughs) make up for the wrongdoing, it's but good. stay in school. Important. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And in my understanding of restorative justice, one aspect at least is actually having a defendant and a victim talk. Face to face. Face to face and engage. That's yep. got to be kind of heavy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, and they have very good, very well-trained moderators that handle that process. I can step in when needed. So you do settlement conferences too. I do. How do you like that? I like that. Yeah. I do like that. Um, It's a nice balance and you get to do a little bit different Mm -hmm. perspective. Yep. Uh, And you get to tell people that they might not win or that they might not win as much as they think they might or they're going to win and you might want to take care of this now. She sounds like an evaluative settlement say, conference when, judge. When we went to mediation school, they taught us about collaborative and evaluative, all these different terms that we learned about. But frankly, it's never been brought up with me since. No, I've never had a lawyer say, gee, I want an evaluative. But, but, <laughs> but, See, but I talk about that all the time because I tell them right out, I, I'm, a, I'm an evaluative mediator. That's part you of the do? reason. So, oh, Lord, yes. Oh, I can't. I can't keep. I can't open my mouth without expressing an opinion. Yeah. Okay, listener, like you should that. see the look on Joanne's face now. I'm, I know this is not <laughs> a video podcast. Gleeful? Yeah, gleeful. she looked but like you were crazy. Now, yeah. now, when you do a settlement conference, is is in your chambers in the courtroom? How do you how do you do them? I put one uh, group in typically the courtroom, and one either in a jury room or the anti uh, conference room in my courtroom chambers and you, and you go back and forth and i go back and forth well you're doing kind of similar stuff to what we do yeah do you ever do joint sessions with everybody in the same room together no <laughs> i stopped that as a litigator about 20 years ago no i think that you you start in the hole mm-hmm. generally if mm-hmm. you do that that was my experience Absolutely. as an attorney i'm like please don't put the other side in with us because my client's going to lose his yeah. or her mind yeah there's another side to that coin too when when I was an attorney litigator, there were times when I wanted everyone to be all together, and especially in air crash type cases where I wanted all the insurance adjusters to hear and see the grieving widow, yeah. the kids, and lay it all out in front of them. And then we broke up afterwards, and it, I, I think it was very effective. And also, it's also effective from the defendant side on another matter where two planes collided together and rained down bodies all over La Mesa. It was horrible. It was largely the air traffic controller's fault for vectoring these two guys into each other. And the government, at the beginning, they wanted a, a joint session. And I said, great, because I do too. And they floored me by right at the get-go saying, we are so, so sorry wow. about wow. this tragedy. Exactly. Wow. And I didn't say wow, but I was thinking wow because it was absolutely the right move mm-hmm. and the case up. Well, and it may be... Those are the kinds of cases where you would do that. I don't, yeah. knock wood, I haven't had an air crash case and I'm a scared flyer. So that's not what I'm looking forward to. But I guess there could be cases where <clears throat> it's appropriate and necessary. I just find employment cases in particular. That would be tough. Too much emotion. the alleged harasser in with the, no. the alleged <laughs> the harassi, victim, harassi. the harassee, and then go, let's see what happens. It's a polarizing process, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the joint, now, I do joint sessions sometimes partway through mediation or toward the end if both sides want to have one for some specific reason. So sometimes I, I, did, I pulled attorneys out recently and had a joint session with them because I did do that. They were mediating different cases. Yeah. One was there. We will only entertain offers if it involves a, a settlement of the entire class. And the other side said, we will only entertain negotiations if it's an individual claim and not the class claim. Like, well, got to get you guys in the same room and figure this out. For so, sure. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you need to pull one of the attorneys out and talk to him or her? away from the client to try to figure out what the hell is going on? Yes. And 
particularly when there's cases where you are wondering whether there's client control or not. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I call those my routine attorney-only pullout sessions. Yes. And yes. you go, do you mind if I just speak with your attorney just for a moment? No. I do this every single time. We're just going to be five minutes. We'll, we'll be, be right back. back. We'll be right back. Yeah. Have you ever been in a situation where you've wanted to or did request the lawyer for you to have some alone time with the client? I haven't had that. I haven't had that. And I would, I don't know that I would. Um, I haven't done it either. And it, it would feel a yeah. little awkward. I had one time when I was meeting a case where the lawyer said, I, you can talk to my client for the first five mm-hmm. minutes and then my client is going to be in a separate room and it's going to be just you and me interacting. And I was, that felt weird to me. That yeah. felt like they were keeping their client in the dark. I would be concerned with the client that they would take something that I said and twist it for whatever purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get that in court. Well, you said at the last hearing... Let's replay the tape, shall yeah. we? Right. There's no tape. But right. I'm like, I don't, that well, does it, not sound like what I would have said. And sometimes that then either entrenches somebody in a position or makes them spin. I think it's, I think it's more, yeah. Well, what if you had a situation where the, the client uh, said, can I talk to you without my lawyer? I want you to just picture this situation. The client seems kind of anxious, and the lawyer looks at the client and says, that's okay by me. If you do want to talk for a few minutes, go for it. I think you would have a green light. That would be on my impression to talk. And then you find out the client says, I'm so glad we get to talk. My lawyer's doing stuff. I, I don't want what he's asking for. I don't want this kind of resolution. Ooh, that would be awkward. That would be very awkward. That would be right. really awkward. But but it, when you think it through, the, the lawyer has given the client the green light to talk to you, either us as mediators or you as a settlement conference judge. And at that point, that would give you a moment to perhaps think it through and talk to the lawyer and try to explore what that relationship is like. I don't know. I think this is rare, but I'm just tossing it out. I'm not saying I'd never do it. And under the circumstances, if somebody said they really wanted to talk to me, it depended on the circumstance. Yeah. I'm not saying I would never do it. I, w- I would gauge. And I don't treat everyone the same. So... <clears throat> takes on the flavor of, of whatever it is, right? You do almost as a settlement conference judge or a mediator, you have to have a different hat for different people. Right. And and I, I actually, sure. I do pre-mediation phone calls on all my cases. So I talk to the lawyers and one of the questions I ask there is, what's your client's emotion level about this case? Because I kind of want to know in advance, am I dealing with someone who just, you know, flies off the handle every right. time they talk about it or are they just very even keel? And, and my approach is different with the different ones. Sure. So, yeah. Now, if someone said to you, what's the average length of time that one of your settlement conferences takes, what would you say? Ballpark. Well, it depends on what we have. Typically, we're, we're really only allotting a couple hours because of our schedules. But if I have it and I, I give it to them, it will fill the time I give. So... Okay. How much time you give? I'm trying to focus you in a corner here to give right. you give me some <laughs> kind of rough answer. Again, well, when I set a settlement conference, I typically have the whole day because I that's when we were able to give it to them. So right. I will give them all day. Really? Yeah. That's wonderful. I'll have them come back at one thirty if they need to. But if 
if I had something in the afternoon, then I'm like, well, you have until noon. Let's right. go. So it's not like I have an average because that's right. how it is. It's really, I fill the space that I have. And if they're, sometimes, you know, as you know, they're not ready for settlement. And so, you it's know, quick. in an hour, and a, right. an hour, you're like, and we're done. Yep. But I will tell them. There are always windows of opportunity to talk about settlement. Mm-hmm. Windows close, but other windows will open. And I am here when that window opens again. And what I tell them is I don't ever want you to leave thinking after you go to trial and you get slammed or you get... <laughs> hit the jackpot. Hit the jackpot. I don't want anybody to say, I wish I would have. Yeah. So the windows, was they open, I'm here and I'll continue to be involved. One of the settlement conferences I'm doing, I've been doing in pieces because of different things related to it. And I'm actually going to the lawyer's office to try to finish it because the other thing we have is we have a hard stop in the courthouse because we can't With have people in the courtroom yep. if we don't have security in the courtroom. So I can't go in a settlement conference beyond... Really, ideally, it'd be four thirty, but five o'clock. So, if I have a trial day and then I'm trying to work with them, I'm actually going to go to the attorney's office. You well, wear your smart. robes? I will not wear my robes. Maybe my bathrobe, but not. <laughs> so the the reason I'm expressing surprise at your generosity with time is because um, of the input I've received from some federal judges with respect to what's known on the south side of Broadway as an ENE, early neutral evaluation. And my take on that and my personal experience as a litigant years ago was, you got maybe 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, maybe a little bit longer, but not very long at all. And and the judges there were pretty much, listen, here's the deal. You're not going to get... What you think you're going to get. And Mr. Defendant, you ought to offer something. Don't give me this scorched earth defense. Offer something. Settle the damn thing. Let's get the show on the road. You're you're an idiot if you don't. And it's a very quick, quick. And I've had talks with some judges who shall remain nameless for our purposes today who say to me, Jim, you're a wuss. You spend how much? And I go, what, some six, eight hours, sometimes two days. Really? Come on, get a grip. So I think it's great that you're able to explore these avenues, these subtleties that I think are a necessary part of settlement. Well, when we are available for settlement conferences is because a case has settled. So we have like a two week block where we were going to be in trial, but we're no longer going to be in trial. So there are days that are not that we are now <clears throat> filling. So it's not as if we're stacking E&Es because this is now we're plug and play. And so if I have the day, I have the day. Um, so I do. That's great. So if you have an opening because a two-week trial didn't happen, you don't get another trial dumped on you to fill that slot? That's where we go onto the calendar for availability, and we can – I've had prelims for criminal cases um, and or we put ourselves out there for uh, settlement conferences uh, and or if I have an under-submission, then I'll be working on the under-submission. It's not as if there's – General, we don't typically have a wheel for the civil cases like we used to. Oh, yeah. I remember um, the wheel. I'm dating myself. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. And um, it was a stone wheel. Yes. <laughs> but we, yeah, we, so it's not like you get a call. It's like, okay, I saw your case settled, so now I'm going to send you a We are independent calendars, so all of our cases are our cases unless somebody reaches out for help. See, as a mediator, when I have a block of time when I don't have anything, I just go to Mexico. Which is nice. I just take off. Yeah, we can't yeah. do that. We can't edit that no. out from this. <laughs> okay, before we wrap, <laughs> I want to hear... We're still okay time-wise. We're fine. Okay. Before we wrap, I want to hear a little bit about 
comedy concerts. Oh my God, I love You're into concerts. comedy concerts. Tell me about that. Like live ones? Oh, live. Yes, Fun. You mean like going to... Nate Bargatze, Tim Allen. Oh, Nate Bargatze. Um, I just... Yeah. Tick, we're the going comedy in store April. kind of thing? Comedy store, mic drop. Uh, my best week last year, best week, was Thursday was Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Friday was Kathleen Madigan. And Saturday was... Sean Wayans at Mic Drop. It was wow, uh, and what a week! And you couldn't get it very different from Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle to Kathleen Madigan to Sean Wayans. And this is where you get your judicial sense of humor. It's where I get all my material. Well, laughter yeah. is good for the soul. Although you, there's not a lot you can do. You know, I have friends. That, oh, <laughs> right. you're funny. Are you funny in court? I'm like, I don't think in family. It's a no. place where you can joke. Yeah, I'm here all week. But I'm bum. Yeah, yeah. But I'm bum. Yeah. All right. That's the but Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been delightful. It's been fun. Yes, it has. Thank you. Judge and, Cynthia and I, Freeland. And I wish you the best of luck in all of your settlement conferences. One last real quick thing, now that we're on settlement conferences. Um, what percentage would you say you're able to settle? I would say, uh, I haven't kept track. I, I thought about keeping track. I don't know. I'm probably, I'm probably at 50% right now. Okay. And that's because. That sounds about right. I was going to say, some of them, like yeah. the last one, it was too early. So I, some of them just come at places where they're not ready. Yeah. And then some of them are mediating different cases. Well, and I have a lot of pre-litigation mediations. So they're coming into mediation before they've even filed the lawsuit. And that's interesting because a lot of times right. there's this disparity of information one yeah. side has more information than the other side does yeah. but we're getting them settled so but 50 percent, i mean glass half full glass half empty you're doing a service to the litigants and a service to the court getting it wrapped up right well we hope to Absolutely. that's the whole point I hope to increase that all right listen we'd love to chat more but we're such important people You've especially joanne we got things gotta go. to do <laughs> people to see people to see places to go with that bye-bye and thank you thank, thank you, you. Be sure to check the next episode of Beyond the Bench for another entertaining and informative judicial conversation, all ad-free. In the meantime, if you would like to learn about alternative dispute resolution, call us at 619-238-7282.